My guest today is Graham McGregor, the author and I suppose creator of the Feel Good Marketing Strategy. And Graham, I've been tuning into your emails since we chatted a few weeks ago. Brilliant emails. Every single one is chocked full of good information and also makes me feel good, which I think attracts a lot of people to your business. And I wanted you to first off just explain and go through what the Feel Good Marketing Strategy is. Uh, how you make people feel good and what, what effect that has on customers. Okay. Well, obviously in business today, that we all have competitors. You can buy most products and services from dozens and dozens of different outlets. So you've got to differentiate yourself. And I find that making people feel good is a really simple way to differentiate yourself. Here's a good example of a feel-good strategy in action. About 40 years ago, I bought my first car from a local car dealership here in Auckland and uh, a brand new car. Two weeks after I bought the car, I got a letter from the dealer principal, the person that owned the car dealership, and he said, Graham, thank you very much for buying the car. Really appreciate your business. Just to say thank you, here is a double movie pass valid for 12 months. I thought, wow. At the time, I was giving business seminars on sales and marketing to a whole range of uh, businesses every week. I was speaking to probably two or 300 business owners a week at that point. I told every single person at those seminars about the car dealership, what they'd done for me, how good it was, how, how I felt so great about it. Three years later, I went back and bought a second car from that firm. A couple of years after that, I bought a third car. And it all started with them just sending me a double movie pass, totally unexpected, thanking me for my business. Now, I've been in sales and marketing for 46 years now. And how many companies do you think in the last 46 years have sent me a double movie pass with a letter that says, Graham, thank you for your business. How many How many would you think in 46 years? I'd assume very little, maybe one or two. Three, three, three and 46 years. I can tell you who they all are, obviously, because there's not that many. And that's the point. When you make, I still remember this car dealership 40 years later and it's just small things like that you, you can make people feel good before they do business with you when they do business with you like during the sales process and also in this case after they do business with you and it's just a matter of thinking hey what our goal was our goal was to create an audience of, if you like of raving fans people who love your business and happily talk about your business to everyone they know so they tell lots of people You've got to go down and use David. You've got to go down and use Graham. You've got to go down and use Joe or Fred or Sue or Mary because they're great. Look what they did for me. And they tell a story about something they did that made them feel good. A good example, I heard about an electrician from a client of mine in the States. And what this electrician does, well, it's an electrical contracting firm, they encourage their electricians when they're on a job to look for something extra they can do on the job for the client after they've done the electrical work. It could be like a squeaky door hinge. Could be a little bit, maybe it's the front gutter is a bit jammed up. It's a bit, you know, gutter's got a bit of a few leaves in it and the water's overflowing. So they'll do the electrical job, then they'll spend five or 10 minutes doing that extra job at no charge. Then they'll give the customer the invoice and say, hi David, here's the invoice, you know, coming out, here's travel time to install the lighting, it's X to do this, it's Y, to fix the leaky, uh, fix the squeaky door hinge, that's zero, that's on us. So they look for just one little thing they can do for free, makes the customer feel good, costs them just a couple of minutes of their time, that customer tells three or four other people what happened, 
and suddenly they've got all kinds of referral business. Or from making a customer feel good. It could be a funny sign that you see. Something that makes you laugh. For example, I had the opportunity to go on a Greek, uh, Greek island cruise earlier this year around Mediterranean for a few weeks. And we were on a beautiful island called Santorini. And one of the things we saw in a cafe there outside the cafe just said a little sign that said more espresso, less depresso. Other was yeah, right. I took a photo of the sign, I texted it, sent this photo to like quite a few dozen people that I knew all around the place, and it made me remember that cafe because their funny little sign basically said more espresso, less depresso. And it's just like maybe laugh. There's a very funny series of signs that are done by a, a septic waste removal company here in New Zealand called Prestige Lose. And they have all kinds of funny signs on their uh their trucks, if you like, and what they do is they make people laugh. For example, I was following in one of their trucks one time and it said on the back, don't get too close, we are not carrying milk. Looks like a mini milk tanker. I thought, what the heck are these people selling, if you like? What are they carrying? And of course, when I passed the tanker a few miles further along, I saw the sign, Prestige Lose, I laughed. And it's just like, you tell people about funny stuff like that because it makes them feel good. I've got a vet clinic that I've been using for many, many years now, well over 25 years. Yeah. And they're, they're amazing vets. And one of the things they are very good at is sending out a monthly or quarterly newsletter. And they do that. And it's just a, it's just a normal vet newsletter. And basically what happens is they talk about some, some interesting stuff, nothing, out of, nothing special. But one time, the owner of the vet clinic did something a little bit different. He wrote a column from the viewpoint of an old dog they had that sat in the reception, a dog called Breeze. And the dog basically said, hi, it's Breeze here. You might not have heard me for a while, but I've taken a bit of a holiday. I'm back now. Uh, my job is greet people and eat anything that's dropped on the floor in the way of anything edible. I have to tell you about my, my parents, Jackie and Lance. They were the two vets. You know what? I don't think they're very good. They've done all these operations on me to try and fix my legs, fix my arms. I ache, I'm sore, I don't feel that great. I think they're terrible vets. And he went on and on about the dog's perspective of what he thought of the, his owners. You know what? They tell me to do all these things. Half the time I just ignore them because I don't want to do what they tell me to do. So I just pretend I can't hear. That's just you know, my privilege. And it, was, it was very, very funny. Anyway, this particular newsletter, they had hundreds of their clients asking for extra hard copies, all kinds of clients sent it to all, all kinds of people they know. In my case, I've been using this vet clinic for 25 years, and in the 25 years, I've probably told 20 or 30 people about the vet clinic. As soon as I read this newsletter, I was writing a weekly column for the largest newspaper in the country on marketing at the time. I talked about them in my marketing column. I told every single subscriber I have on my email list in 23 countries about them. In other words, I told thousands of people, all because a funny newsletter from the vet made me feel good. And it cost them nothing to do. Absolutely. It took them 20 minutes to write this funny little message from the dog called Breeze. And here I am telling you about it you know, five years later. Yeah, no, I really appreciate the quirkiness and something different to just catch people's attention. And I suppose in this attention economy is what people are calling it you know that's the most valuable resource is someone's someone's eyeballs on your on your business 
Now, Graham, I'm thinking this is marketing focus and obviously sales and marketing go hand in hand. But for a salesperson, when they've, let's say they've landed a deal with a customer um, or they've closed a deal with a customer or they're right at the beginning. So they're starting to build traction in their audience. How does a salesperson do that? What, what kind of strategies might they employ? You know, it might be in a conversation that they have with their customer, could be asking for referrals or something like that. But how can, how can a salesperson apply that kind of strategy? Well, one of the first things to do with for salespeople, and it's so simple, it takes about two minutes, get into the habit of writing at least two handwritten thank you notes each workday. I only have to be like a couple of paragraphs long. You might have made an appointment to see somebody next week, for example. You've got an appointment coming up to see a potential prospect next week. What you do, you drop a thank you note in the mail that says, Hi, John, thanks for your time on the phone. Look forward to seeing you next week. I've got some very interesting ideas to share with you. Cheers, David. Pop a business card in, send it out. You have a meeting with a customer. And generally, if you're selling more expensive products or services, you might have to have you know, two or three or four meetings before they finally agree to say yes. So after the first meeting, you just say, send them a card. Send them a little note. It says, thank you very much for your time today. Enjoyed our chat. I'll be coming back with a proposal for you in the next wee while. I think you'll find it very helpful. Kind regards, David. Out it goes. And the thing is, with handwritten thank you notes, if you like, they're extremely rare. I learned this idea 40 years ago. And two a day, every business day is 10 a week. It's 500 people a year that you're sending a handwritten thank you card to or handwritten thank you note. And you get remembered. I remember when I was selling advertising, because the thing is you can send these notes to people who buy, people who give you appointments, people who give you referrals, and even people who don't buy. This is really important. I used to sell advertising a long time ago, and when it, the way I sold it, I was terrible. I would knock on doors down the street and say, Hi, David, it's Graham here. Would you like to buy some advertising? And nine out of ten people said no. <laughs> so I, I had a lot of people that said no. And I read this idea that you should be sending thank you notes to people that said no. I said, well, that's great. Everyone's saying no. <laughs> so one month I think I sent out about, must have been over a hundred thank you cards to people that said no and said, Hi, David. Enjoy talking to you about advertising. Sorry I couldn't be of help right now. Maybe in the future. Enjoyed our chat. Kind regards, Graham, and I popped in a business card. So thought nothing about it. The following month, I got a phone call. A business owner phoned me up and said, Hi, Graham, can you come and talk to me about advertising, please? I said, it's quite rare, by the way, if you sell advertising. So I said, sure. Came around. We had a chat. And he gave me this massive advertising order. It was huge. Biggest sale I'd ever made in my life at that point. I said, that's great. Thank you very much. By the way, why did you phone me? He said, Graham, I was talking to a friend of mine a few weeks ago. You'd seen my friend. My friend had said no. But he got a thank you card in the mail from me saying, yeah, thank you for the time. That really impressed him. Even though he'd said no, you sent him a thank you card. So we were talking about advertising the other day, and he said, you've got to talk to Graham. So you can get business even from people that say no by referral, if you do something as simple as a handwritten thank you thank you note. And it's just, it's so simple, it's so rare, and it really makes people feel good, and it's the cumulative effect again. It's just like two a day, each one takes about two minutes to write. And just pop it in the mail, put a stamp on it. People, yeah, people open it up, read it, and they remember you 
for months. I've had people that I've seen as a salesperson, have not spoken to them for six months, but I've sent them a thank you note after the meeting. I ring them up. I say, hi, it's Graham here. Oh, Graham, how are you? I'm like their long lost son because I sent out a thank you card, handwritten. Very, very, any, every salesperson should definitely be doing that as part of their routine. Absolutely. No, that's great. One of the things that I often think about as a salesperson, as a recruiter, and often for my candidates as well, you know, this is valuable that anything you can do to separate yourself from all your competition, and we know that there is so much competition these days, and the competition is just getting more and more fierce in any niche industry that you're in. Anything that you can do to separate yourself from the pack will get you noticed. And it can be something so simple as sending a thank you note, uh, it can be simple as sending a little bit of value in an email or, like you said, sending something that entertains and makes them feel good, right? One thing that you are very keen on is surprising and delighting your customers. I love that phrase, surprise and delight, because so few people do it these days. I mean, the amount of marketing emails that I get that are simply, hey, this is our business. This is what we do. Would you like to engage? No, I would not like to engage because I don't think that person is genuine or authentic, right? Because I know that they've sent that email out to thousand, few thousand people. Even if they have directly targeted me, just saying, do you want my services is not enough, right? And like with your marketing emails, I know that you send them out to a massive list and you're very explicit about that, but everyone seems to feel personal and everyone seems to grab my attention and also give me a good impression or give me a good feeling. So for someone who's selling us a, a high-end service, let's say a data recovery service that's very much in the virtual field, what would they be able to do to kind of separate themselves from the other companies that are doing exactly the same thing? And keep in mind that most of their interaction is going to be digital first. Well, that's probably the area I would talk about. You mentioned most of their contact is digital and I presume their competitors are doing it digital as well. Well, I would take it a step out of that and do something that's non-digital. For example, I'll give, let me give you an example. About uh, 10 years ago, when I was not that well known, I wanted to get an appointment with four key business people here in New Zealand. One was the managing director of the Ford Motor Company. They had a, obviously a large number of dealers here in New Zealand. I wanted to get in to have a meeting with the head of retail for two of the largest banks in the country. So I did the head of retail for this bank and head of retail for that bank. I also wanted to meet with the marketing director in New Zealand for Hewlett Packard, which is obviously a, a technology company. Now, I had no introduction. They didn't know me. I had no introduction, no referral. So what did I do? And no one had heard of me. I, I just was not that well known at all at that point. So I decided to use what we call Lumpy Mail, or LM for short. It's a very simple strategy to get appointments with a lot of people. And this is something that I would recommend to some of your technology sales clients as well. And what I did, I sent out a little parcel to each of these four people. I sent it by overnight courier. So I yeah, spent a couple of bucks on that. And I sent a letter with a parcel. And the parcel basically had a book by Richard Branson called Losing Your Virginity, some interesting tips about business, which I thought would be interesting reading. And I said, I basically said to each person in a letter, the letter was customized for each person, look, I've got an interesting idea that I think will help your car dealerships, in the case of the Ford Motor Company, make a lot more sales by doing a couple of really simple things. I'd love to show you what I've got in mind. 
If that's of interest, it'll take about 10-15 minutes, get your PA to make contact and we'll set up a meeting over the next couple of months because I knew they were busy people. In the meantime, here's some positive reading I thought you might enjoy with my compliments. Graham. I did a similar letter for all four people, mentioning a specific thing I thought I could help them with. Because I wanted, you know, I had an idea for each of the four people. And first week went by, I sent out the parcel to each person. Nothing happened. I was expecting this. I was not concerned. So I waited another week. Then I sent out a second parcel to all four people. Another letter, another business book. Interesting, I think I included a testimonial on my second letter, which talked about how one of my clients made $2 million in extra sales using a couple of my ideas and so forth. And away we went. And over the next month, I was quite prepared, by the way, to send out a parcel like that every two weeks for the next year, if, it, if that's how long it took. But the good news was, within the next few weeks, every one of those four people contacted me, booked an appointment to see me. I made a large sale to one of the banks. I got to know quite well the managing director of the Ford Motor Company at that point, and we, we have coffee from time to time. In fact, we had coffee just a couple of weeks ago. He's retired now. And... I do recall the marketing director from Hewlett Packard at our meeting he had three of his senior colleagues with, with him at the time. He said, Graham, that is the most interesting message I'd ever seen in the last two years. I had to meet with you. It was so interesting, that message that you sent. A couple of carrier parcels. And what's a couple of carrier parcels? I think it cost me $25 a parcel. So I spent all up maybe $200. Got meetings with four key people, and a, you know, a very substantial sale to one of the banks. And just So I would suggest for your technology salespeople, think about who they want to have meetings with. If they want to differentiate themselves, sending out a couple of interesting parcels to start with. We call it lumpy mail. Lumpy mail just means you mail something that has something extra in the envelope. So you pick it up and it feels, yeah, you can, you can tell there's something there that's not just, not just an envelope, not just a letter if you like. And there's all kinds of things you can put in your lumpy mail. You could put in, I've tried all kinds of things over the years that work really well. You can put, them, put in a pair of red socks and have an interesting message around red socks. You could put a couple of aspirin in a foil cap, sellotape to a letter. And the letter talks about, do you have this headache, this technology headache, which is very common around data cleansing? Da, 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 da. Well, when you have a headache, there's a couple of solutions. Take a couple of aspirin, I've closed a couple of aspirin for you, or... What you might want to do is look at something that's a little bit different than we do that solves that headache with a lot of people. Here's some positive feedback from a client. Would love the opportunity to show the same thing to you. And then you said, if you did something like that every couple of weeks, a letter going out, something interesting, something a little bit quirky, a little bit different, and you did it to say 50 different businesses that you'd like to have as clients, you know what? Within six months, every single one of those people will know who you are and what you do. A number of them will be giving you meetings, and probably a few of them, if, if not more than a few, will be well on the way to becoming paying clients. And you just take a long-term view. You take a long-term view. You're thinking, well, what we're trying to do here, we're trying to build an audience of people that like us, get used to hearing from us. Hey, we make their day. We're entertaining. We're fun. And it's just like, it can be so as simple as that. Let me give you a couple more examples if I can. I've got a client here in New Zealand who bakes these amazing cookies, boxes them up, presents them, they look amazing. 
And when I first came across her a few months ago, I said, well, who do you sell these things to? She said, well, what I do is I send them out by courier anywhere in the country. Up to that point, she said, mainly I get people who are celebrating something. Like I've got a friend who's got a new job or a friend whose daughter just graduated from uh, college or university. I've got a friend who's got a new baby or, or whatever. So I send out a box of cookies to them with a little note from me that just says, yeah, congratulations on your new job or whatever. I said, okay. I said, your big market is not individual people doing this. It's businesses who sell expensive stuff. And what you do with businesses that sell expensive stuff, you send out something like that after somebody buys or even before they buy, even before they buy. So you go to them and say, by the way, um, here's a box of cookies on us. There's an old saying that no such thing as a free lunch. Not true. Certainly not true today. Box of cookies on us. Morning tea is on me. Now, the reason I'm sending you a box of cookies is because of X. And da 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 go into a bit of a story about, hey, your time's valuable, so we thought we'd pay for your time with some cookies, and we'd love to come and see you and show you this blah, 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 and go on with an interesting message. And I'll be in touch soon to see if we can make an appointment to see you. And a box of cookies might cost you $60, $70 to send out. Nice message, looking beautiful. And it's different. It gets their attention. They'll open it. Now, a new technology client is often worth tens of thousands of dollars, in some cases, hundreds of thousands of dollars. So if you spend $500 or $1,000 or $2,000 over a year getting appointments, sending out some interesting stuff, and you close one sale worth $50,000, that's more than paid for it. You just do something a little bit different. And you have the idea in mind, like I did originally when I went to those appointments with those four key business people, I was quite happy to send something every two weeks for a year, if that's how long it took. In my case, it took a lot less time than that. So... For technology people, I definitely recommend part of what you do, do stuff that is non-digital. 100%. Really, really effective. Yeah, definitely. I think one of the traps that people are getting caught into these days is relying on the old methods. So relying on cold calls, emails, that kind of thing, LinkedIn, connecting with people. And not to say that that can't work, but... It needs to be supplemented with something different, something new. And I think a lot of salespeople get caught into that trap of, okay, I've got my business development plan. I've got my key target clients, but the strategy or the method of reaching them is just a bit outdated and you will tend to get lost in the fray a bit. Yeah. And look, the people that they're selling to often are technical people, CTOs, CIOs, uh, head of technology. And while they are technical people, they have a technical background, they will appreciate something different. They've made it to that position because they're they're good at business as well. They're not just an engineer or, or something like that. So they will appreciate that kind of alternative twist on a sales strategy. One of the other things I wanted to go through, the most expensive marketing mistake that you can ever make. This got me interested. Uh, this got me very curious when when I saw this. What would you, what would you think the most expensive marketing mistake you can make is? I'm honestly not sure. I think one of the most expensive marketing mistakes is probably just not getting the message right. Um, but that's a very vague, I'm sounding very vague here, Graham. No, please tell okay. me, enlighten oh, me. Okay, well, basically the, the most expensive marketing mistake is it's very simple. It's not doing AVSIT, A-V-S-I-T, A-V-S-I-T. A phrase I came up with a few years ago, AVSIT. AVSIT means add value, stay in touch. And the idea is, is that you want to stay in touch with people in a way that's added value all the time, but basically forever. 
whether you do it digitally, whether you do it non-digitally, ideally you do a combination of both. Let me give you an example. Back in 2001, I was selling investment properties. That was a role I had for a few years. And um, I thought to myself, I knew better, but I was a bit dumb at that time. I thought, okay, persons spent all this money on an investment property. They've spent four or $500,000. They're probably not going to buy another one right now. So I won't bother them. So I didn't stay in touch. So what actually happened is a person would you know, buy the property. We would manage it for them. Our companies took care of it. So that was pretty easy from their viewpoint. It was a brand new property, very low, very low maintenance, if you like, in terms of doing stuff. And then in that first year, I got next to no referrals, next to no repeat business. In fact, one of my clients who was also in marketing, he sent me this letter, a handwritten letter in the mail. Got this letter, opened it up, and it said, a guy called, funny enough, David. And he said, Graham, you are stupid, was the headline. It was this handwritten letter. I said, what? I'm stupid. Why am I stupid? <laughs> he went on to say, Graham, you should be staying in touch with people like me. I can give you potential referrals. I could be adding value. I could maybe even do, have some repeat business at some point. You're a marketing, Graham. You should know better. Here's all the things I think you should be doing. He had a page of stuff I should be doing. I thought, he's right. <laughs> he's right. I do know better. So I did a little an interesting experiment. This is the added value, stay in touch concept. Add value, stay in touch. And I thought, well, I've got 300 people on my database at that point. Some of them were clients like David who had actually bought. Some of them were prospects. You know, I talked to given them information. They had not said yes at this stage, but had also not said no. And some of them were key referral sources. They might be mortgage brokers or, or bankers or lawyers or accountants who you know, could refer people my way. So, okay, I'm going to try something. Every month for the next six months, I'm going to send these people something interesting in the mail. Snail mail. Not digital, snail mail. The first thing I did, I went down, I bought 300 $1 scratchy tickets. You know what a scratchy is? A little instant Kiwi thing. Yeah, scratch, scratch and win. Put it on a letter and said, by the way, hi, David. Graham here. Hope your day's going well. Here's your chance to win $10,000 in 10 seconds. Hope you win big. If you do, I'm free for lunch. Smiley face. All kidding aside, I do hope you do well. And by the way, if you have any friends or colleagues at some point that might like some information on investment property, love to talk to them. Cheers, Graham. So not, I didn't even mention the investment property we had for sale. Next month, I sent out a really interesting article I come across on time management. I saw one of the best ideas I've ever seen on time management, David. Here it is, a little article. Hope you find it of value. By the way, if you've got any friends or colleagues interested in investment property, I'd love to show them what we're doing. I did that for six months. Nothing happened to 300 people. Nothing happened. But in the seventh month, I had 12 phone calls and emails from people from those 300 said, all said the same thing. Graham, love the stuff you're sending me. It's so positive. They all said the same thing. By the way, I'm really interested in investment property now, or my friend or my neighbor or my son, my daughter, my workweight. Can you talk to them? And out of those 13 people that contacted me, I got six people to buy. And I was making $10,000, $15,000 commissions on each sale. So I made a lot of money from using a concept of ad value, stay in touch. First year, I did nothing, got no referrals, no repeat business. The second year, I started to get really well. And a year and a half later, 70% of my sales were coming from people that I was sending stuff to like that. So it's really important. So the most expensive mistake is not adding value and staying in touch to, to clients, to prospects, and to key referral sources. And you can do that you know, digitally. You can do it non-digitally. You can do a combination of both. 
Now you just mentioned doing it once a month, but your marketing emails, I receive them every day and no, they're not annoying. They're actually very, they're very entertaining yeah. and they have a lot of value in them. So that's spot on when you say add value, that's got to be the core component of what you're sending yeah. out to people. What do you recommend uh, in terms of frequency? Uh, some markets might be different to others. Well, I, I think the minimum should be if you go, if you want to do stuff digitally, which is, I do recommend digitally because it allows you to stay in touch with obviously a lot of people for very little money. You should do a minimum of something every single week. Something you should be going out at least once a week, ideally twice a week. Now, in my case, I've tested you know, once a month, twice a month, once a week, twice a week, seven times a week, which is what I do now. And I've found for me, seven times a week works amazingly well. I've, I've tested you know, all the different combinations. But I recommend to every one of my clients, you start with at least once or twice a week. Now, here's the key. People forget this key. This is the most important key in sending out regular emails. The email does not have to be just about what you sell. Let me repeat that. You're a recruiter. The email does not have to be about your recruitment services only in the email. You certainly want to mention it, but... You can send stuff. Remember, what's the concept? Add value. Stay in touch. You can add value by sharing a funny cartoon that's tasteful and it's relevant to what they're doing. You can add value by giving them a link to a motivational video they can watch for two minutes. You can add value by giving them a useful tip on how to have a good night's sleep. You know, half the population, 50%, have trouble sleeping. So what I do for a lot of my clients, and I do recommend that, People do it to their own clients as well. Send out a positive email, maybe every Monday. Call it Positive Monday. Call it the Positive Motivator. Call it whatever you like. And say, by the way, we're going to send out just a positive little two-minute read. Something pep you up for the week. Specific tip on how to be happier, healthier, enjoy your work more. Hope you find it useful. Here's issue number one. It's got three unusual ways to get a great night's sleep. Hope you find At the end of the email, you say, by the way, uh, if you've got any colleagues that are interested in hiring amazing technical salespeople, I can help. Feel free to refer me on their basis. They're saying you might mention your recruitment services or whatever you do is a low-key thing or one of your services or a low-key call to action. And if you do that every week, once a week, 52 times a year, people are now thinking about you. They're feeling good. You've added value. And here's the thing. You never know who people know. And you never know who people are talking to you. Here's the rule. If they're not thinking about you, they can't refer you. It's impossible. And if they're not thinking about you, they can't buy from you. So just Very adding one, one email a week gets them thinking about you 52 more times a year. Just make sure the emails are adding value. Make people feel good about you, your business. And, and also make them entertaining in some way. Make them entertaining. Make, tell an interesting story. Could be an interesting story. I recall, and what I do in my daily emails, as you know, because you've been reading them for a little while now, is I talk about some of the personal stuff that's going on in my life. I used to be a cyclist for a few years, just a you know, weekend warrior, if you like, cycling. I came off a few times and smashed my bones and smashed my face. And I, I talked about some of those experiences. And I've, I've got invitations while I was writing these messages from all around the world. If you're ever in Sydney, if you're ever in France, if you're ever in Germany, let us know. We'll take you out for a bike ride. Because <laughs> I connected. I talked about some of my things I did that didn't work, some of the things I did that did work. There's always a marketing message in there somewhere 
about what I, you know, what, what made me feel good, what didn't make me feel good. And people get to know me and what I'm like. And, and that's the key. Put a bit of your personality in it. In it. Tell them, you know, just be a real person. Talk, talk, talk like, write like you speak, if you like. Give them something that adds value. And you're building this community of people who like you, who know you, and are used to hearing from you regularly. Once a week, twice a week, or my case, once a day. So that's that's kind of the philosophy I have on on frequency. Yeah, definitely. I think the uh, authenticity is a key point in that as well. Write how you speak. Share some personal anecdotes. Anything that makes a customer think this guy is or the girl is a real person. Uh, you know, they're not just a salesperson trying to sell me something. They actually have interests, hobbies, a personality yeah. that I can relate to that is human and. For that reason, that they're more likely to engage and more likely to buy, um, then that trust is built over time. Yeah, and that's the thing. People buy at different stages. Some people are ready to buy right now, a very small percentage. Some might buy in a month or two. Some might buy in a year or two. But if you can build this community of people that like you, trust you, know you, again, in what you do, you can get a ton of referrals even from people that don't buy ever. I recall one person when I was selling advertising quite a few decades ago, he could have bought my advertising and it would have been perfect for his business. But he never spent a cent in four years that I was selling his advertising. But he referred me to 23 of his business colleagues and 17 of those 23 bought. So I didn't really care that he didn't spend any money in advertising. Great, he gave me lots of referrals. And that's the point. If you have this whole philosophy of building an audience, in other words, you're in touch with them, they're in touch with you, that's why regular weekly emails are quite good because it's like a conversation. You can send something out, they'll give you, you get some responses back, you ask for a bit of interaction on a regular basis, and people get to know you and like you. Yeah, that's key. That's very key. And the thing is also, they are thinking about you regularly in a good way. Yeah, keeping you front of mind. And that word of mouth, obviously, we all know that that's probably the most powerful business Absolutely. development tool that you can employ. Yeah, well, it's how, we, it's how we choose and how we spend money on expensive stuff, whether it's a holiday or whether it's a, a new swimming pool or whether it's a big piece of technology. We're strongly influenced by what other people have to say. Absolutely. And Graham, just to kind of cap things off, I wanted to keep it relevant to what's happening now. Obviously, the economy's been a little bit down the last year or two. It's been very up and down since since the whole pandemic. What are your thoughts about the market at the moment? What are you seeing from customers, how they've changed from a year ago? Well, I think a lot of, lot of the things about the market, whatever the market happens to be, obviously over 46 years in business, I've seen lots of ups and downs in that time. There's been the global financial crisis. There was the share market crash in 1987, the a year I launched one of my first businesses, which was selling motivational seminars of all things. And a month after we launched that particular business, the share market crash happened worldwide. And I, and I think the key to thinking about markets is, is not to buy into all the doom and gloom that's always there. It's always there. And people are saying, well, people aren't spending money right now. Well, some people are not spending money right now. That's true. But not everybody, only some people. And I recall... I used to do a lot of work with real estate salespeople. Going back quite a few years, I was training a lot of real estate salespeople. And I met this one real estate owner who had 400 salespeople in his team. He had lots of branches. Fantastic motivational speaker. And I, he invited me along to hear him speak at one of his conferences. He had about 400 salespeople there. At that point, it was a terrible 
real estate market. There was all these houses for sale and no buyers. No one was buying. It was like, and he stood up in front of 400 salespeople and he said to them, he said, guys, let me tell you how things are right now. It's not that hard times are here. It's that easy times have gone. Because a couple of years prior to that, if you could get a listing, somebody would buy it. There was a frenzy of buyers and very little houses or properties for sale. He said, hard times aren't here. Easy times have gone. Now, basic, I think the same thing is true now for a lot of people in business. It's not that hard times are here necessarily, but easy times when you can just do this and this and this and make an easy sale, they're probably gone for the moment. So you have to be a bit more clever about how you do things. How do you approach people? How do you get appointments? How do you get referrals? How do you explain what you do in a way that makes, oh, gosh, we can't afford not to have this particular piece of technology right now. And sometimes it's just how you explain things, the words you use, the questions you ask. I learned some of these things from a friend of mine, Jeffrey J. Fox, who's the world's expert. He invented this process called dollarization. And dollarization is talking about all the specific benefits and quantified with money that buying this particular product or service will mean to you. Because often in business, what you're selling, if you're selling to other businesses, a lot of the time, you're basically selling money in one way, shape, or form. You're going to save them time, you're going to save them money, you're going to save them whatever. And I recall Jeffrey took on a client one time, they were a technology client, and they were making testing equipment for software chip manufacturers in the Asia somewhere. This particular machinery they were selling, this testing equipment, cost $3 million or $2.9 million. Some of their competitors were selling similar machines for $1 million. This is $2.9 million. When Jeffrey spoke with this company for the very first time, they could not even get an appointment in the door to show their equipment to somebody. They said, no, 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 it's too expensive. He did some research. I said, he said, give me some figures. Show me what the testing equipment shows you. And he worked out, he found they had figures on hand that showed that the average chip manufacturer, and we're talking about you know, computer chips now, if they use this testing equipment, it would allow them to reduce wastage on the chip manufacturing process and would save them a minimum, I think it was $150,000 or $200,000 a month in savings. They could document this. It's huge. Otherwise, it would pay for itself in the first 10 months. And then after that, it's going to make them a couple of million dollars a year profit. It was like amazing. So he talked about, well, this is what you need to do to show you how you can do these things. They got appointments with a few people. The very first appointment they had, they walked out with an order for three sales at $2.9 million each. And all they'd done, they changed how they sold and some of the words they used. He gave them a bit of confidence. Hey, what you got, what you're selling is amazing, guys. You can save these people, you know, one or two hundred thousand dollars a month. This equipment, even though it's two point nine million dollars, it's going to pay for itself in the first year, easy. Then make them a profit, and because it had a few features the other competitors' products did not have. So again, I, I think today my big message that I've learned is that hard times are not here. Easy times have definitely gone for most of us. In the past, you could just do this, this, and this, and make all these sales. Now you have to work a bit harder, be a bit smarter, be a bit cleverer do a few things that are different. Brilliant. I think that's great for people who, particularly this year, have kind of struggled to hit quota. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a bit of a psychological or mindset shift, right? Instead of banging on the same doors, trying the old same techniques, I think it's a bit of a mindset shift in terms of what they've got to do. I think so. And I, I think that's the thing I've, I've learned over the years is that 
a lot of the time, you just need to try a few new things. Often they're things you already know. You just haven't done them for a while. You just stop doing them. Ironically, we do things for a while, they work really well, and then we stop doing them. It's like thank you notes. Oh, that worked really well. I haven't done that for a year or two. Oh, I wonder why not. Sometimes it takes a message, in this case from my client, called David. Graham, you are stupid. Why are you not staying in touch? <laughs> and he woke me up. And, and, and I needed that kick in the pants, if you like, to, to go back. I already knew I should be staying in touch. I just didn't do it. Yeah, 100%. And I, I think that's a great message for anyone listening is that there are tried and tested methods and there's things you know you've done in the past that have worked. And for one reason or another, you've you've fallen off the bandwagon. So, no, that's great advice. Graham, I want to thank you very much for uh, coming on the podcast today. Some really, really valuable advice. I think anyone in sales or marketing, obviously, um, but even salespeople can definitely benefit from some of your stories and examples there. And I really look forward to seeing more of your emails so for anyone that's interested, it's grahammcgregor.com, G-R-A-H-A-M-M-C-G-R-E-G-O-R.com. Please sign up to his mailing list. I Even if you're not interested in using his marketing services, they're chocked full of great little messages that will help you in your sales journey. Or if you're a business owner or a marketing expert, uh, they're very, very valuable. So I highly encourage you to sign up. Graham, thanks very much once again. My pleasure. And thank you everyone for listening in. I'll see you on the next one.